HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live to the cosmos from the backyard at Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. In some of my songs, I have casually mentioned the fact that I like to drink beer. This little song is more to the point. Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears. I like beer. It makes me a jolly good fellow. I like beer. It helps me unwind and sometimes it makes me feel mellow. Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Today is Tuesday, April 3rd, 2012. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43. We're going to give a shout out to our sponsor, GreatBrewers.com. We're sponsored by them. They have a great uh, Beer Cloud app, which you guys should try. Has anyone in the room here ever tried the Beer Cloud app? Indeed. Oh, yeah. Caroline's here from uh, Stags at Caroline Pincus. How are you? I'm good. All right. And Jen Swartman from Blind Tiger came back from uh, some travels. Uh, Will Stevens from BeerManus.com and Tim Stendhal from uh, Union Beer, GreatBrewers.com. All right. So thanks to Great Brewers again. Check out the Beer Cloud app and thanks to uh, the Good Beer Seal, GoodBrewSeal.com, an association of New York City Good Beer Bars. All right. Here we are in New York City, Bushwick, Brooklyn, Roberta's, uh, hanging out on a, on a beautiful spring day. And uh, our good friend Jen Swartman has been traveling Many places the last few months, and it's so great to have you back. Oh, well, it's great to be here. Yeah, I've been waiting to be on so I could tell some tales, and here I am. So I had a great trip. So what was the the, the focus of your trip? Well, my focus, I called it Jen's uh, Sour and Smoke Tour because I decided to focus on two of the places I've wanted to see in Europe that I haven't seen that are very beer related so i went to brussels and i went to bomberg but um the the catalyst of the whole trip was an invitation from jean van roy about a year ago to um basically get to follow him around as he brewed one day i mean he he's the brewer and i just was side by side with him and he explained which brewery everything. was that cantillon cantillon wow is, that's amazing yeah it's a uh, one of the few it's really the only um purely traditional lambic producer left in brussels and brussels is where lambic really traditionally comes from and they're doing everything with the equipment from the 1800s that they purchased when they started the brewery in 1900 and um he brews one beer 
all the variations of Cantillon are variations that are made in the barrel aging, the decision on what fruits to add, the blending. Um, but there's one beer, one recipe, and he brews it 28 to he's up to actually this year he increased up to 32 batches and he thinks he can do 33 and then max out at that but in the course of the winter from november to april he brews this beer about twice a week and it's it's pretty amazing to witness you really feel like something really special is going on it's a it's a kind of a magical process. I've seen a lot of breweries over the years, and, and it's great to see everyone's, everyone's equipment, and, and yet a lot of people who see a brewery for the first time are a little bit disappointed because it's an industrial operation. You know, your concrete floors, and people get excited about, you know, the ceiling height and, and drainage and things like that. It's not really as glamorous as a lot of people think it is. But this brewery is so special because this equipment is just, it's all still running on pulleys and it's all, you just feel like it's so manual. And then there's the, the cool ship room, which is like, he's like, you got to see this magical room the first day I visited. And it really is magic. It's like rafters and people think that the brewery is like filthy, which it's not. It's actually really clean. It's just not scrubbed, you know, and they let some cobwebs form in the corners and things and they don't tamper with it because all of that environment is critical for the inoculation, which is when you actually get the natural yeast and the bacteria to fall into the into the wort right after it's made. And the day after it's it's brewed, it's put into barrels and then, you know, it the magic happens in the barrel and uh, we get to hopefully reap the benefits although it gets gets to be more and more scarce because more and more people in the world want it so anyway it was it was an incredible day and the batch that we brewed ended up hitting um an original gravity of 13.1 degrees plato and he said that's a record for him in 10 years of being the brewmaster after his father he uh he usually hits i think he said like 12.8 and this was a special batch. So I can't wait to hear about LO24, which is the batch. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Sitting in barrels at Cantillon. Will, have you been to Cantillon? I have never been to Belgium, sadly. Um, I had I, never been. And, and people scoffed at me for years. But, you know, I, I recommend it now. Now I understand. Definitely. Yeah. Did you get to witness any of the kind of additions or the secondary stuff? Um, I got to see, I got to try some uh, 50 Degrees is the name of the beer. He's only been able to brew it twice. Um, it's cognac barrels. And uh, I tried the day I got into town and I was touching base with him and coming up with the game plan. He took me downstairs and I got to taste it the day before it went into bottles. So I didn't really actually see any maceration of fruit. I saw the, the only stainless steel they use is for fruit maceration because they really realize that barrels are sort of wasted on that the fruit process so they're just they're the couple maceration tanks that they implemented it's the only real modern equipment i mean the craziest thing is the keg the um keg cleaner and i had heard about it and to see it it's like these gigantic you know they're big wood barrels and you put it into this sort of frame and it it when it's running, it runs almost like a gyroscope. It turns the barrel in every direction. And all that they use to clean those barrels is water, steam, and chains that they put into the barrel. So the chains have sort of a, a sharp edge, and the the movement is what cleans the barrels. And they're still doing it. That, like, not a chemical. Everything's organic. You know, their, their whole 
organic designation system in Europe is different than ours, but all, everything, the only thing that is not organic is 100% of the hops that they have to source, because hops are still the hardest part. But um, as many organic hops as they can for, you know, what they need. And uh, so, yeah, all the, everything is, it's organic. So there's a big difference between what Cantillon does and what something like Lindemann's uh, very sells. different, right? So Lindemann says that they're lambic, but but how small do they make portion beer? is lambic, and then they're cheating methods. You know, like they can kind of fake it, and they you know they're not. It's not all spontaneous fermentation. They're actually pitching yeast and things, and so the, you know, like the they're really when you're really into lambic you don't have as much respect for that. Like that's actually, those are industrial Lambic producers. And then there are traditional, which like I said, Cantillon's really the only one left. And then there are a handful of blenders who are only sourcing like real Lambic from the places they can get it. Um, Cantillon actually is the only one who brews its own, all of its own beer to then blend for its beers but um then there's some middle guys you know like where it's like they're doing as much as they can but then they grow and they uh have to kind of you know kind of tweak it and tweak tradition a bit to get there um so there's sort of three different levels of lambic and um yeah now i just i'm like yep candy on of the candy on <laughs> one of my favorites is the candy on creek yeah and, and how do they make that do they really put whole cherries, cherries in, it? in it yeah i mean they use they use fruit they use actual fruit the fafoon is apricots that's a delicious one um they use uh they use raspberries and yet you know you try their raspberry their framboise next to like lindemans and it's like it's not even it's not even the same category because theirs still holds all that you know sourness and beauty of the beer the fruit doesn't take over they really like know how to how to blend them down. So even their fruity beer, of course, is still quite tart. So Jen, you're you're there at Cantillon, the yeah. the favored lambic producer in the world. Everybody loves them. Well, tell me some anecdotes, some cool things that happen. Well, I got to see the um, amphoras, which he's really really excited about this project. Apparently, Jean went down. I think he was in Italy, um, and he tried some tried some wine i believe and there was something really he's like there's something really special about what's going on here and he inquired and they said oh it's the amphoras and they're using these ceramic amphoras that are about like four feet tall maybe and he decided you know i actually i want to see what happens so when like i put way, my the way the it. greeks made ancient yeah wine. and and they're they are i have photos they're like sitting in one part of the cellar and they're covered and he pulled back the the cover on one and it's like bubbling inside i took a flash photo and then i apologized to it because i was like well i probably disturbed it it was like so like active and lively so we have the world has not tried it including jean but he's really excited about that project he really feels a very close connection to the wine world and and he's correct it's like he is really the link he's kind of the middle ground between brewers and and winemakers because he while he is brewing a recipe that is sort of helping nature along he is at the mercy of the atmosphere and the weather and all those things that affect winemaking too more so than a regular you know regular brewer 
who can control all the climate and environment and what's happening with his beer. Um, so he, he, he kind of like loves to bridge that gap and loves the wine world also. In fact, the last of the uh, Zwanza from last year, the Zwanza 2011, was um, a project that he did with a winemaker who spe- like specifically focuses on, I can't remember the name of the grape, but on this specific grape that's a dying traditional breed. So I was like, wow, that's actually a kind of a kindred spirit in the world. And they took they took the lambic and they aged it in the barrels. And this particular grape, I'm fascinated by it. Now I want to do some research and like see if there's any way to get some because it had these really specific pepper qualities and fruit qualities that were all coming from the grape. It wasn't spice additions, but the beer ended up with all these amazing spice notes. And um, so, yeah, pretty fun. And then the thing, Zwanza 2012 is going to be um, a Trappist triple style, like an Abbey triple. And he's all he was all excited. It's been brewed now. He, he did it in the last few weeks. Um, but he was really kind of like nervous about it because he doesn't pitch yeast. So he was actually going to pitch yeast like a brewer and see what was going to happen. And so he gets, you know, he's he has fun with it. And he's also been really good. Like his father saved the brewery back when his dad was in charge and his father's still around. The family's all participating. His sister Julie is there like every day working there, like working with the, uh, you know, visitors who are coming through and doing everything else. I mean, she jumped in and shoveled all the grain out of the mash ton when the farmer came to pick it up. And, you know, I mean, she's in there and so has still, been there. It's a labor oh, the of love. Family, the so whole these guys, family It's not like these guys are cleaning up and driving limousines and oh, gosh, no. having these lackeys make no. the beer. They're still this really passion. hands on. Yeah, and, and they're all participating in there. I mean, the, the parents have sort of semi-retired, but they pass through on a regular basis. And and uh, so, yeah, it's very, very, a very tight knit family and uh, just a couple employees They had a couple interns there when I was there and tourists coming through. And so you can visit Cantillon. Well, I'm going to ask you because you're beermanus.com. Do you know what a cool ship is? Um, I could use elaboration. <laughs> Tim from uh, Union Beer Great Brewers, do you know what a cool ship is? I do know what a cool ship is. What's a cool ship? A cool ship is a it's a large or I guess semi large, probably about the size of this room. I'd say like maybe bigger. It, it, his is bigger. His is yeah. bigger. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I mean, they can vary in size, but they're not they're not huge. Uh, but they're shallow pools, and after a beer is made, uh, it's gone through the through the brewing process, not the fermentation process. It's pumped into um, so it's like the, the wort? Yeah, it's yep. just the wort, the wort, the, the sweet barley liquid. Um, it's pumped into this uh, separate container, which is just a shallow pool. 12 inches. 12 inches? 12 inches deep. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they have one at Allagash. They're opening one at, uh, in Peekskill, actually, in New York. Um, and then there's one somewhere else in the country, in the United States, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, the ones that I've seen, it's just in a in a separate room. So it's twelve inches deep. Yeah, and they want you want surface area contact. Mm-hmm. So in order to, it's like a wading pool. Yeah, they actually took the excess. They have they fill their cool ship. It's probably the actual cool ship is probably a little deeper, maybe like sixteen inches. But the liquid but itself only, is the, the liquid itself is about twelve inches deep, and if there's excess extra liquid, they actually pump that off into the holding tank just to keep it at a certain like height because it helps maximize what can happen in the inoculation and it really is only inoculated there from 3:30 about 3:30 in the afternoon is when it goes into the cool ship 
when the day has gone the way it normally goes. And then first thing the next morning, it's put into barrels. So it's really not, I thought it was a much longer process. Like I thought it would be a few days or something. It, like they that. just do it overnight, right? Overnight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not even 24 hours. So pretty interesting. And, uh, yeah, that's enough. You yeah, know, I've heard about it. I know that uh, Jeff O'Neill's done it, and he's at Peekskill, and, and I know Rob Todd and Alias, yeah. but I had no idea what it was like. I know. I'm, I'm Now I'm eager to get up to uh, Portland, Maine, and see the Allagash Cool Ship, because I don't think the one in Peekskill's up. I don't think they have it yet. I don't think it's yet. ready yet. But, um, now, I've got a question about the one yeah. in Cantillon. I haven't had the privilege of going to Cantillon yet, but I've heard that the... Um, the cool ship is actually in the attic. Is that yeah. right? Okay. There are three stories to the brewery. The main level is where you know they've got the tasting room and the little sitting area and the little shop. And then you go back, you see the bottling line. You go straight back, and that's where the mash tun is. And then it feeds up into two tanks that end up being the kettles. And that's so you have to actually have to go up the stairs. I've never seen someone run so many stairs as Jean in a day. Like he's like it's just like boom up back and forth up and down. And I was keeping up as best I could. But um, and on the second floor you've got the two kettles that are going and then you you see the mill coming down from the third floor and then you go up to that floor and there's that's where they keep all the grain all the raw, raw materials are up there and then there's this one little like dutch door that looks in over the cool ship and it's like you know like pointed rafters and two open windows mm-hmm. to the outside with screens that are always open and uh, because they want to, you know, in Brussels, mm-hmm. there used to be a lot of fruit orchards. And that's why Lambic was like why Lambic works there. And sure, a lot of the most of those orchards aren't there. But the, you know, the environment used to have a lot of like fruit mm-hmm. orchard related bacterium and yeast around and it cultivated. And then, you know, th- this this environment. I mean, I I've heard that, you know, the cool ship, Rob, you know, you have to create an environment i don't know what he did to get it going um he probably did a lot of research to figure out what could be created in portland maine Mm -hmm. you know and and i hear about people who bring in like wood from i don't know old barns that you know like trying to get this stuff growing and yet it is bacterium and yeast so well it does grow what's pretty interesting about the idea of a spontaneously fermented beer is that it uh and just like just like john was saying about it being very closely related to the wine world is that it really is like the terroir the idea of terroir because it's the natural yeast that occurs in the in the the very very immediate environment surrounding the brewery so and it only happens at certain temperatures Mm -hmm. you know you've got to like play with the weather there are certain times when like he tells a story about a batch that he did during in freezing conditions, knowing darn well that it was not going to work because a brewer from Victory um, in Pennsylvania had gone all the way out there and there was a plan and he was only going to be there for a short time and he had to brew and he felt obligated to follow through, but he just knew. And that beer is not, it's not like it's been thrown out, but it's just taking, I mean, it, it's taking years mm-hmm. for it to, to ferment. It's taking up space. And so he, he's really wise having studied it his whole life and being, you know, like fifth generation, I think, brewer of this particular beer. It's like they know their their art form. But yeah, they're at the mercy of it. If the weather is different one year, I mean, that could change their production completely. Mm-hmm. So, Jen, you're talking about also uh, Rob Todd at Allagash in yeah. Portland, Maine. Um, what are some of the, the beer labels that, that he's made that, that have been made in the cool ship? Because well, I don't know if you, I've had any. Actually, yeah, I'm not the one who would know because we don't get them down here. 
<laughs> I mean, it's hard. It's like the smuggled bottles that people who happen to be passing through Portland or go up and visit him, and they happen to come back with one little cool ship. So he's not, There's he's one not, called the Ghoul he, Ship. Yep, I got to try. Ship, yep. But there were what other ones? Uh, I think the Avance. Yeah. The Avance was oh, made Oh, I did there. get to try I, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, was, was Victor Frankenstein made in the Cool Ship as well? Could be. Um, I wonder how many he's done. He's uh, probably he, done a handful. He's he's done a few. I think that they're actually going to be coming out with their first goose as well. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, uh, a goose is a blend of one, two, and three-year-old lambic. Um, and any brewery can can uh, balance their goose depending on how they want it. If they if they want it to be more tart and acidic. Uh, they can they can use w- more of one particular vintage, and if they want it to be a little bit smoother and sweeter, they can use a, a different vintage. Is, is lambic a term that can be applied to any beer, or is it only no. for Belgian beers? No, lambic. You know, is and like honestly, even Rob, I've heard Rob Todd talk. He spoke on this show about it too. I mean, he is very reverent, and and he doesn't even use the term lambic for his beers. He calls them the cool shit beers. He's got other names that are referencing that they're that style. But mm-hmm. just like you don't use the term Trappist to describe your beer unless it's brewed at a monastery, you really, you know, like at, out of out of respect, you don't necessarily use that term. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, I don't think you, I mean, I don't think Lindemann's does. Like, I, I don't think, I think it's an actual rule. I don't think it's like a... Mm-hmm. I think it is some sort so of... So it's, it's, it's geographic, but. it's style-wise, and... Some type of and, designation or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. So, Caroline, you mm-hmm. jumped in about uh, Allagash. So do you know uh, a lot of the Allagash beers well? Um, well, we... At the Stag's Head, we, uh, we only serve all-American beer, so... Um, so I I have done a couple of Allagash nights. I had the Avance at the uh, Union... Oh, it was so good. Oh, the Union I, Beer Festival. Oh, the, 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 the thing a couple of years ago? Yeah, at the, yeah that was the welcome beer, and yeah, it was that a was, welcome. Uh-huh. Oh, man, that was great. Yeah, it, it was, was quite a welcome. Are you guys going to do another one? Please? I'm not at liberty to speak <laughs> about that. There was a, two years ago, yeah, great Union Beer did a really awesome portfolio tasting in New York. It was It was incredible. pretty great. Yeah. yeah, it was great. It, uh, that was the first time that I met most of those brewers. We were uh, lucky enough to have... A lot of brewers come to New York yeah. to, to speak with yeah. all sorts of purveyors uh, from around not just Manhattan and Brooklyn, but uh, Staten Island, Long Island, Westchester, um, all throughout the, the 13 counties that, uh, that, that Union Beer services. And um, it was a great opportunity, not just not We just all got me. to ask a lot of questions yeah. of the people who know the answer. Like you, you really did like feel like you could tighten up your information if mm-hmm. you... If you utilize that room, because it was amazing. Well, this this is an awesome group, and we're definitely going to talk more with everybody, including Caroline from Stag's Head, which is a, a good beer seal bar, as well as Jimmy's number 43 and Blind Tiger. And uh, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll be on the air with Wynn Bassett, who is a, a beer writer down in North Carolina. Great. And we're going to ask some questions about North Carolina beer on Beer Sessions Radio.
Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. If you haven't been to Brooklyn, you should come and check out Roberta's in Bushwick. That's where we're recording every Tuesday at 5 p.m. You can come and sit in with us, too. In fact, we might ask you to sit in with us, and you can ask a question. Uh, talking about new friends from around the country, uh, a guy who is due to come up to B- Brooklyn and hang out with us, uh, Wynn Bassett. I know him as at Wynn Bassett. Uh, he's a prolific uh, beer Twitter guy. I see he posts like every 20 minutes on Twitter, and he only writes about North Carolina Where beer. is he? Is, is he that in true, North Wynn? Carolina? How are you, Wynn? Hey, how you doing? That's so cool. Do you, do you only tweet about uh, North Carolina beer? Uh, the majority of my tweets are about uh, North Carolina beer. Uh, I throw some national stuff in there and also handle some other Twitter accounts for some other publications. But for my personal, I uh, mostly stick to North Carolina beer. Where are you located, Wynn? Uh, I live in Raleigh, North Carolina, I and I work all around the, the Triangle, so I also uh, work a lot in Durham and Chapel Hill, too. So, when you started ncbrewing.org to focus on good North Carolina beer. Why did you do that? Um, you know, I was, I was a big, I guess, craft beer fanboy, and there wasn't a central place for, for news and uh, just, uh, you know, get people together that enjoyed North Carolina beer. So, just kind of started this community around the website. And it, it blew up um, fairly quickly and became, you know, one of the go-to sources for North Carolina beer news. And that led to several other opportunities. Yeah, there is quite a movement going on down there from what I hear. I mean, yeah. I, I actually lived in Raleigh, North Carolina from 97 to 99, right before I moved to New York. And uh, I was even affiliated with the beer world through my boyfriend who was selling beer for Gary Greenshields. Greenshields Brewery, okay. do you remember them? Uh, and, uh, uh, absolutely, yeah, I know them. And yeah, and it was just we, you know, so far ahead of what's going on now. Like there wasn't much going on back then, and so it's pretty exciting. To it's very exciting. Yeah. Unfortunately, Green Shields isn't around any longer. But uh, yeah, as of last week, we had two more breweries come online. So North Carolina is up to sixty operating oh breweries, breweries now. Yeah. Wow, we've got some great people in the studio with us too. We got um. Uh, Will Stevens from BeerMenus.com. Will, do you, do you cover anything in North Carolina yet? Um, yeah. We've got a will and a win, so this is going to be a little <laughs> what was confusing. That? Yeah, I thought you said win, but yeah. will, I guess. But when, will, will Stevens is here from uh, BeerMenus.com. Uh, will, do you cover anything in North Carolina yet? Um, yeah, we. I guess since the last time I came on the show, we have opened up BeerMenus.com to allow places in other cities, in any city, to use the website. And definitely a lot of places have hopped on in North Carolina. Um, it's definitely been one of the more popular states in that area. Um, it's been great to see places down there kind of hop on it without you know, us even telling them about it, just kind of finding out about us. Cool. And when Mr. Wynn, <laughs> when, um tell us about some of your favorite uh, breweries and bars in North Carolina, because we've got people listening from all around the country, so... Right. Um, well, right now, you know, in, in Raleigh alone, we have several breweries. There's Big Boss uh, Brewery. Um, there's Natty Green's Brew Pub. Um, and and all, most of North Carolina breweries still uh, distribute solely within North Carolina. There's a few that are uh, distributing some surrounding states. Uh, Mother Earth Brewery in Kinston, which is on the east coast of North Carolina, they announced today that they're expanding uh, their distribution outside the state for the first time to the Atlanta area. Uh, we also have probably, I guess, the, the largest uh, production brewery in the state, Highland Brewing in, in Asheville, Asheville. Right? Yeah. 
Right, and they, they distribute to seven states. Um, so, so folks who live outside of North Carolina probably have the best chance of getting their hands on some Highland beer. They did exist back then. They've been around for a while, right? Yeah, Highland's been around, I think, since 1994. Uh, so they're, they're one of the pioneers, as, and their founder, Oscar Wong, is, is certainly you know, one of the, the huge um, four founders of craft beer in North Carolina. Wow, man. All right. What, what changed in North Carolina? Um, were, were there some law changes? I know you, you also talk a lot about um, there was an article you wrote, or you, something about senators, and you're, you're very active in this whole politics. What am I saying? Right. You tell me. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I'm a uh, I'm a, a lawyer by trade, I guess, um, and I'm also the executive director of the North Carolina Brewers Guild. So I try to keep my you know, ears to the ground on any policy or laws coming up. There were a couple uh, brew pubs and breweries around the state uh, early on um, before you know when our ABV, I guess, cap was pretty low. It was um, it was right around five percent. And then in 2005, uh, Sean Wilson, who's the founder of Fullsteam Brewery in Durham, led a campaign called Pop the Cap mm-hmm. that raised the ABV limit in North Carolina to, to 16%. Yeah, and that's always and that, a big deal. That opens up a lot of creativity. Cre- it creativity. does. And, creativity. And, yeah, right. And, and between the, the time between 2005 and, and now is really when... Uh, craft beer in North Carolina has been booming as a result of that law and as a result of just the entire you know, revolution across the country. That's amazing. And when did you start doing uh, your blog and all that, writing about beer and everything? Uh, started, started writing for the blog. I guess it went online um, July or August last year. And, and as soon as I started writing for the blog, I also started uh, freelancing for a bunch of other publications. Um, Southern Brew News, which is part of the Brew Newspapers, um, did some writing for all about beer, and then for you know, the Raleigh newspaper um, and some uh, the Brewers Association on their website too, and and freelance more and more, and I uh, started writing more and more, and that's when uh, eventually I switched to I was a a, a DA, a district attorney in, in Raleigh full time doing criminal mm-hmm. prosecution, and um, decided to to make the leap to my passion, and now I practice beer full time. Uh, like I said, I'm executive director of the North Carolina Brewers Guild, so you know. I, I uh, help protect and promote uh, small North Carolina breweries across the entire state. And then I'm also, uh, I lead the social media and beer education for All About Beer magazine. Wow. wow, that's awesome. You know, another great brewery that I love down there, the stuff I've had, though we don't really, it's bits and pieces I have exposure to, but Duck Rabbit. Duck Rabbit, yes, the, the dark ale specialist. Yeah, they're, in, uh, they're in Farmville, Farmville, North Carolina, which is kind of, it's between Raleigh and the coast, and they're ones who've been around for quite a while, and you'll also find them in some surrounding states. But um, you know, they're famous for their milk stout. We know Mother Earth too. They they've yeah. been up to New York with uh, Dave Broderick. Yeah, they, last year. Yeah, Josh Brewer's known Dave for a long time from his previous Absolutely. incarnations, and then so they all came up. You know, it was a, it was honestly a couple of years ago, and we actually had a little. We got to do a little tasting. They brought some beer up with them, and. Um, so it's good to hear that they're they're doing well and growing. Yeah, Mother Earth's doing extremely well. Their next beer release is uh, just a few days from now, April 11th. They have this beer called Triple Overhead, which is a bourbon barrel-aged triple that they brew every year. And uh, this year, I got to taste some off the tanks last week when I went down to the brewery. And this year's is especially uh, bourbon-y. They're using mostly fresh barrels, and it tasted pretty good. 
Wow. Well, uh, Wynn, we're going to give you uh, some some quizzes right now. Uh, Caroline from Stag said, uh, in New York, we get a lot of uh, international beers, especially from Europe. I don't know. What, what is it like down there for you guys? Um, do you get a lot of beers from Europe, or is it mostly the, the North Carolina beers? Oh, yeah. We've, we've got uh, – we get tons of international beers. I know earlier in the show you are talking about uh, Cantillon and some others. We get uh, – it's been increasingly hard in the past couple of years to find Cantillon here. But uh, we get it, um, and we get you know Phantom, and we get we get uh, uh, Bone, and, and all those uh, from across the, the world too. Awesome. Well, Caroline has a, a a beer that we've been drinking, so you can know what we've been drinking on air. What, what beer were we drinking, Caroline? The uh, Berliner Weiss from 1809. Now I'm not the authority of international beers, but that's what the bottle says. Doctor Fritz Bream. Yeah, it's like the <laughs> they make traditional style beers. Um, it's fantastic. Is, so we're talking about sour yeah, beers. We're drinking a Berlin Weiss. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, the 1809 is uh, the, the classic Berlin Weiss. Yeah, they also make a Gruet too, don't they? That same yeah. guy. Am I right? I, I believe they do. I think so. It's a pretty good Gruet. He actually uh, just came out with uh, another beer called a Grzitzki. Uh I, I think it's I think it's a smoked rye sour beer. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah. Yes. Oh, wow. Have yeah. you tried it? Yeah, I did. It's it's incredible. Wow. Um, Be United actually brought a tank container. Uh, over from Germany, uh, and so we got it as absolutely fresh as possible. If uh, if you don't know anything about the um, the Be United Tank Container Program, I highly recommend looking into it. Uh, what they're doing is absolutely revolutionary in the importing industry. Mm-hmm. In the United States, we're able to get incredibly fresh product. Um, at a minimal cost. They bring, they bring tanks of uh, Schlenkerlau over too and yeah, peg them do. on this side. I talked to, when I was at Schlenkerlau, which is another story I'll tell later, Matthias was telling me about that and I didn't even necessarily know that they were doing that, but it's pretty amazing. I, I was able to just uh, try recently a beer uh, from Thornbridge Hall, their Raven, the Black IPA. It tasted like it was fresh out of the tanks and they had, they had kegged it off maybe uh Two days prior, and the the tank container had arrived that day, uh, so it was literally from from right out of the right out of the bright tank. That's that's an amazing program. When we're just trying to throw some uh, European beers at you, because just to see uh, what the scene's like down there. Um, so you really know your stuff, don't you? Uh, I, I mean, I try to. I mean, y'all talking about Berliner Weisses? I'm I'm really excited that the first there's you know this whole sour fad right now, and I hope it sticks around. And there's also the the low ABV fad. Uh, coming in with Session Beer Day, you know, this Saturday. And that's what I really like about Berliner Weiss is you got the sour factor and you also have the low ABV factor. And with, I don't know about, you know, New York, but the, the weather's certainly warming up fast down here. So a Berliner Weiss outside, you know, midday sounds perfect right now. So I agree. When let me ask you something, uh, just because my bar, um, it's in Manhattan, and we only do American beer there. I'm curious to know if I've never been to North Carolina mm-hmm. or really anywhere down south. If uh, a lot of the bars there do sell international, or they focus primarily on local stuff, or they focus primarily on stuff on the Eastern Seaboard? Because right, I kind of, I always I'm, feel I'm like sorry. I, I always feel like I'm one of the only people. You know, most people have this huge breadth of knowledge of uh, international beers, which I do not have. But um, at the same right. time, I like focusing on the domestic stuff. I was just curious to know if it's a if it's a similar scene down there. Uh, the, the majority of bars here do have um, just East Coast stuff. Some of them, mm-hmm. you know, solely uh, you know advocate drink local, and some of them only have North Carolina beers. But for the most part. You know, we, we're all along the eastern part of the United States. Um, you know, we see a lot of North Carolina beers, but we also see stuff from Georgia like Terrapin and Sweetwater. Oh, um, and 
Right, and then all the way up. Uh, not not a lot of uh, New York beers other than Brooklyn and Southern Tier. Um, I'd love to get you know Ithaca Flower Power down here or something like that. Mm. But um, we you know, try. Mostly, we love to get it when we can get it here too. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Mostly East Coast. Yeah. There are um, an increasing number of you know specialty beer bars here that do cater more towards you know the the educated um, you know beer lovers who are really looking for the international flavor and they they certainly do um carry you know a a wide variety of international beers but for the most part your your average town in north carolina is not going to have an international craft beer right because that's a bit of like a i don't know it's yeah i can see both sides because you know you do want to support local you do want to support domestic and you know but then at the same time not to have that exposure is great to yeah great to keep people's palates aware of what's going on outside their region as well so it's like you should. My philosophy is always like drink, drink as much as you can locally, and then supplement <laughs> right. with great flavors and things. So you always are abreast of what's going on outside. That's a good, yeah. right? That's a good philosophy. Absolutely, I, I like that thought. When are, are you? Are you part of any special tastings or events uh, that showcase uh, the North Carolina breweries, or are there any special Brewers Guild events going on in North Carolina that we should know about? Um, the next big festival for us is uh, Hickory Hops. It's the annual uh, guild meeting, actually. So, you know, all 60 North Carolina breweries are in the guild, and they get together uh, one time a year and hold their annual meeting before this festival, which is in Hickory, North Carolina, which is where two breweries are located right now, Old Hickory. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of them. Um, they prom- they just distributed in North Carolina. They just started uh, heavily bottling in the past year, but they're famous uh, for their double IPA called Death by Hops, and it's <laughs> fantastic. Uh, there's also another brewery there called Lowe's Brewing, and he's just a couple months old. But Hickory Hops showcases uh, almost all North Carolina beer, and that's the next big festival that the Guild's a part of. And when's that? When is that? When? Uh, it's the it's April 21st or 22nd, whatever that Saturday is. Um, <clears throat> Sounds awesome. Hey, uh, Will Stevens, not Win, but Will Stevens, BeerManus.com. Will, um, any other question for Win? Now that you're down in North Carolina, too? Um, well, I, I found that, you know, in different geographies or different regions within the U.S., some areas or some cities tend to um, have places that tend to rotate their selection more often at bars in particular. And I was just curious if you've found that, you know, at a t- typical beer bar in North Carolina, do they change their selection as often as most of the places do here in New York? Um, I think they do. You know, when you're talking about beer bar, I'm... I'm I guess I conjure up, you know, third craft beer destinations and not just your average town bar. And, and the, the beer bars or the ones that call them beer bars really do change up their tap selection quite a bit. Well, it's you know, 60 a lot of, breweries. A lot of them, yeah. Yeah, a, a <laughs> lot of them will keep, yeah, a lot of them will keep, you know, the same, same, same breweries on and switch their seasonals out. A lot of them will keep, you know, a lot of the year-round North Carolina stuff and just switch, switch out the, you uh, the other part of the United States beers uh, seasonally. You know, there's one bar that comes to mind, Draft, in Raleigh. Mm-hmm. I think he's up to you know, 40 or 50 taps. And he always has it about 30 solely North Carolina taps. And then, <laughs> and then the rest are just seasonally changing um, from other parts of the country. That's amazing. When uh, can you stay on with us for the next segment? Stay yeah, on absolutely. There. Great. So we're going to take a short break. We'll be back to talk more about uh, beer on, cra- on Beer Sessions Radio. How right. novel. Yeah. <laughs> you know that gypsy with the gold cap, too. 
She's got a pad on 34th and Vine Selling little bottles of love potion number nine I told her that I was a flop with chicks I've been this way since 1956 She looked at my palm and she made a magic sign She said what you need is love potion number nine She bent down and turned around and gave me a wink She said I'm gonna mix it up right here in the sink It smelled like paper time and looked like India ink I held my nose, I closed my eyes I took a drink I didn't know it was a day or night I started kissing everything in sight But when I kissed the cop at 34th and Vine He broke my little bottle of love potion number nine Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network Wow, what a month we've had. We had a big party for the 100th anniversary, or 100th episodes of Beer Sessions Radio. <laughs> wow, I'm you've been you, around a while. You know what we're drinking, Jen? What are we drinking? Because I'm starting to lose track of things. Well, um, <laughs> the thing in your glass is Pesci Mortel, but not normal due to CL Pesci Mortel. Normal Pesci Mortel is like 9.5% alcohol, so it's no slouch. This is a special bottle of bourbon barrel-aged Pesci Mortel from 2010. And uh, so it's got an extra little kick. And, you know, the great thing about this is that they handled the bourbon so well because it's not overpoweringly bourbon flavored. There's a little undertone. You, you know that something else is going on, but they didn't take it over to the point where you can't taste the coffee. So it's a really nice. Well, you know, I'm nice just one. sitting here smiling now from that beer. It's like we made hey, Jimmy buzzed. Awesome. We, we did have a Jimmy's number 43 uh, last month. It happened to be on St. Patrick's Day, which was <laughs> awesome. We had the brewer uh, Luke Beam and uh, Stefan, one of the owners yeah. of uh, Duty CL. Uh-huh. Uh, there's Luke Beam and there's Stefan Ostergay. There they came down and we had a a, a due to sale night. We had a beer dinner on St. Patrick's Day, and it was on St. Patrick's yeah. Day. That oh was the weekend goodness. they wanted. It was awesome. It it changed the whole was, vibe. Yeah, we hung out, hung out for a long time. But these are the kind of beers civil. they brought down. They brought down these special limited barrel aged beers, and it was all ten percent beers on St. Patrick's Day. It we had a great time. It wasn't all ten percent right. beer. But well, yeah, I mean, their Kolsch was, was gorgeous, and it was yeah. I was there. It was my way of unwinding from the madness of being behind the bar at the Blind Tiger all day. Yeah, that's and it was actually a civil, wonderful event, and so we all drank really good <laughs> yeah. beer, not green beer. It was great. That's that's what we do in in New York. Win. <laughs> right now, we're going to also yeah. talk to some of the um, other people here. So Caroline is uh, one of the owners at Stag's Head. Which is okay. a good beer seal bar. Mm-hmm. And uh, tell us about how you guys got started and why you guys have a, a craft beer focus. Uh, well, um, we got started about three and a half years ago, and I started about three years ago. Um, it was sort of this Irish bar. Be careful not to offend my business partner, but um, it was sort of an average Irish bar. And uh, I, didn't re- I didn't work in the industry before, but um, I'm from California, and I'm from Davis, which has a huge beer culture um, in that town, and uh, just saw the way that everything was trending in the city, knew what I liked personally, knew what young people were doing in the city, and just, you know, sort of relentlessly bothered my boss at the time um, <laughs> that to change it over to All-American Craft. So we do 16 uh, draft lines, um, 14 of those are rotating. We keep one permanent line for Chelsea Brewing Company, which is Manhattan's only brewery. 
Um, and then we also keep a nitrate. We keep the left-hand sawtooth that's on. That's not exactly true anymore because now there's is 508. It? Yeah, okay. That's so just, just to make sure that... Where is that now? That's in the West Village. And it's a brew pub. They're okay. not distributing. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's like a restaurant but, that but has... But at least I had he heard. is brewing. He is brewing in the basement of the restaurant on a one-barrel system. Okay. And he is commercially... Okay. like So just so cool. you... But So at Stag's Head, tell us like... Two or three of your favorite beers that you have on draft right now? Uh, hmm, let's see. Well, at the moment, um, I got some good stuff down from Cape Ann's. Um, Jeremy Goldberg is the brewer up there. Uh, he's so Massachusetts. In, yeah, in Gloucester. Um, it's fantastic area. Uh, he brought down a Honey Pilsner, which is great. And then I also have the Dunkelweiss from them on right now. Um, actually, and uh, even though we do do only domestic stuff, tomorrow I'm doing an April Fool's event, and so we're doing all international beers as sort of like... So which beers are you bringing in for that? I'm really excited. I put on, I mean, nothing crazy. It's just sort of an introduction for our regulars, but uh, a couple from uh, McKellar the, from the Single Hop series, um, a Hittich, the Hittichina Whites, the Saison DuPont, uh, Dudicil, uh, the nice. IPA, I believe. The Schlenker Law? Yes, mm-hmm. uh, the Weiss also. Oh, oh, um, great. Yeah, so I'm really excited about that just for our regulars and for me and, uh, you That's know, our awesome. staff. So. When, um, do you want, why don't you tur- turn the tables and why don't you interview Caroline? Because <laughs> you're down in North Carolina. Ask her about her, her New York bar. Yeah, what, um, you know, I, I went to New York, I guess, in January uh, for, uh, with the North Carolina Department of uh, tourism uh, promoting North Carolina beer and, and had a chance to try you know, Ithaca Flower Power mm. um, and had, had some Captain uh, Lawrence stuff too. Oh, we're, um, we're drinking Captain Lawrence actually in the studio right now. Did you bring this, Carolina? So, yes, I did. What, what, what is this? Because it tastes like it's a sour beer. This is, well, this is their Nor'easter, which is their winter seasonal. Um, it's a, I believe the beer advocate uh, wording is Belgian strong dark ale. Um, it's about it clocks in about thirteen. It's like elderberry or something. Yeah, like it's too. brewed with elderberry. But this particular bottle was actually aged in oak barrels, and I believe um, they added uh, wine grapes. I'm, I'm not sure the variety. So, so that's what we're tasting. That's what we're drinking now. Um, Jen, do you yeah. know, do you know about? Um, the Captain Lawrence yeah. uh, sour beer series or something. What are they doing? I, I got to. I had the pleasure of going and blending um, three sour beers for a Blind Tiger event about a year and a half ago, and um, that was in his old facility. He's now in the new brewery that I haven't seen yet, but I'm excited to go up and yeah. see it. And he's going to have a lot more space. But he had barrels everywhere, all the way up to the ceiling, and he was taking samples off of all these barrels and was really having a great time blending. He has been working with sour styles since he opened because in the first year he was open he won a gold medal at the GABF for his uh, uh, Cuvita Castleton which was the first year that there was actually an American sour category and he won the gold and then I believe it was two years later he won the gold again for Rosa y Morona so he is like he so, knows so how his does stuff. He make, is he using a cool ship or what is he he's doing? He's not using a cool ship, but he is aging in different barrels. He is working with yeast, you know, um, Britannomyces. He's worked in, working with Lactobacillus, and so there. The, the thing is, like Russian River may not have a cool ship to do traditional open spontaneous fermentation, but some of the best sour beers that are very well respected. I mean. 
Jean Van Roy loves Vinny's beer. You know, I mean, he really does not. He doesn't deny it. But Vinny is also not claiming, oh, I'm exactly what Cantillon is at all. He would never, ever say that. But he's making sour beers of a wonderful ilk. We're, we're going to also uh, go through other guests. Tim Stendhal is, is a great guy. He's my manager. He sells to me. <laughs> Comedian beer. But you're also involved in uh, some other cool projects. Yeah, I have. Uh, I've been doing a, a sour beer event with um, with a partner of mine in Minnesota, we've been doing it in Minneapolis for the last five years, and we've done it the last three years. Uh, it will be three years in May. Uh, it's called "Where the Wild Beers Are." Um, I love and that name. <laughs> I know it's such a good name. Um, so, the the basic concept is that people uh, people tend to. Uh, collect sour beers because you can age them for a long time because uh, they tend to be bottle fermented. Uh, the low pH means that they're not going to uh, be infected, and even if they are, they're they're already sour. So. They also tend to be pretty small releases, right. and so they end up being coveted. Right, that's right. another element. Right. Yeah, and so people always people tend to gather collections of these sour beers, and I always I was always looking for some format to to open some some forum to to open these with other people who would appreciate sour beers. So. So uh, we started this uh, this event in Minneapolis five years ago, uh, where people would just bring their favorite sour beers, or uh, they would bring a sour beer to share. And we had we had a keg that we always poured off for free, but people would, people just came and they they bring whatever they've been hoarding, uh, and uh, and and so everyone everyone gets an opportunity to try something different. Um, I've had some. I've had the opportunity to try some incredible sours since we started this, like the Cantillon Lurik, which was uh, really only. It, it was an accident. It, it, the, what was it? it? It's a stalled fermentation, so uh, it took like twelve years to finish. One of those. Yeah, yeah exactly. Talking about that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's what yeah. made me think of it. Um, the uh, gosh, um, the Duck Duck Goose, the Yellow Bus, uh, all from Lost Abbey. Um, just. All sorts of great stuff. Um, I, I was uh, I was able to get a keg of the Cantillon um, uh, Cuvée de Champions. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Allagash sent down a keg of their Allagash Larry uh, a couple years ago. It's just, just gr- tremendous opportunities. Um, and so this year we're going to be having it at the gutter on May 5th uh, from 1 to 5 p.m. We so ha- anybody can come and just bring. Yeah, anyone can some come. Sours? Yeah, this year we're gonna have a ten dollar entry fee because we've lost about fifteen hundred dollars a piece on it every single year that we've done it. Uh, so we just need to cover our costs. But uh, we've got a keg of the uh, of the smutty nose Bretonni that everyone will get to to Ooh, sample. I had that the other Isn't that night. great? Wow. It's, it's that phenomenal. Is so good, yeah. yeah, they made it mm-hmm. once in two thousand seven, and it was great back then. But this oh, is so a completely good. different. Uh, Tim, you also teach uh, homebrew classes, don't you? I do, I do, yeah. I, I worked for a, a homebrew shop in Minnesota before I moved out to New York called Northern Brewer. Um, and when I was, I live in Brooklyn right now, and about 10 months ago, I saw some blog posts about a homebrew shop opening in Brooklyn, and it was literally across the street from me. And what, what was unique about this place is that, is that it had a 25-gallon brew-on-premise system. Um, so I went to them with this idea of brewing clone batches. Uh, and so... All these breweries um, that are willing to participate, they send me the recipe for their uh, for some of their beers, and so I teach a class um, at a at a homebrew shop called Bitter Nesters uh, on Washington Avenue in Brooklyn. Um, What's at, their website? Because it's a pretty cool cool place. Yeah, it's it's bitternesters.com. Um, I think you can also get to it by going to citybrewshop.com. Uh, they have a Facebook page and. 
Uh, you can sign up for these classes on the website. It's $65. It's the second Saturday of every month, and we have everything set up through June of, of this year. So that's there's a couple really cool things going on in New York, always about beer, and we're trying to give Wynn a little perspective on New York's beer culture. And uh, Will yep. Stevens, BeerMenus.com, you guys started as being a... You just suddenly went from nothing to being like the top search. Anytime I look for a beer, it was beer menus, and now you're all across the country. What's what's new and what's different? Because beermenus.com is my favorite beer site. It's mm-hmm. nice of you to say. What about greatbrewers.com? <laughs> <laughs> beermenus.com's on. Yeah, I mean, we're basically trying to stress the point with anyone who sells beer that um, at this point it's kind of becoming uh, like a bare minimum to give drinkers an accurate listing of what beers they have online. Um, kind of the hunger of craft beer fanatics to know exactly what's where and to be able to track down their favorites is so strong that people are learning that if they post one kind of obscure sought-after beer, um, people will travel a really long way to get it. Um, so we started out the website a few years ago, primarily in big cities, and we've kind of been expanding to more rural areas, and we're finding that it works pretty well in rural areas as well. And people will travel a long way to find a beer, even if it's not necessarily in a huge city. Do you know all the bars that participate in BeerMenus.com? Um, <laughs> what do you mean by no? Well, uh, do you know all their names? The name, the venue. Can you name? rattle them yeah. off right now? That's what he's <laughs> well, asking. I'm trying to go somewhere. But, um, I think we're about to tip the three thousand number um, of places that update. We don't have time for that. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about p- pick one or two from North Carolina that, that come off your head? Um, I think Draft uses our site. Um, yeah, they they do. I'm actually looking at the, the North Carolina places right awesome. now, and the one, the one I mentioned earlier, Draft, is on there, and, and a couple other places that I frequently go to are on there, so it's good to see. What are the names of those? Uh, the Raleigh Times Bar. They're one of the ones um, that has quite an extensive uh, Belgian and international selection in downtown Raleigh. Um, there's also a Tribeca Tavern and and Rockwell's American Grill, and they're both in Cary, which is between uh, Durham and Raleigh. All right. And, Caroline, you, you use beer menus, don't you? Oh, yeah. And we get the you know thing where if you don't update it for 24 hours and somebody calls and you don't have the fisherman's tea party, you know, something esoteric, you know, something completely one-off or whatever, and the disappointment, you know, when you don't update. Um, you well, know, we're we're going to raise our glasses to beermenus.com and also to Win Bassett Win. It's so great yeah. having you on. We will have you. Everybody here will yeah, be back you, again, Wayne. I'm sure. Um, we're going to yeah, do I had a little. I had a blast. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks, man. Will you be down at, at Savor, the Brewers Association event? Uh, I in will DC? be. Yeah, so it's coming up. Uh, the Brewers Association will present the fifth annual Savor, an American craft beer and food experience, Friday, June 8th, and DC. Saturday, June 9th in DC. Are you going to go, Jen? I've never been. I uh, yeah, it's hard. I have to take a weekend off from work. So see, that's tough. And yeah, we're trying to go down too. Maybe beer sessions radio will be down there. Um, and I would check out uh, starting today, April third. There's a limited supply of Savor presale tickets will be available exclusively to American Home Brewers Association and Brewers Association members. So check out Savor. It, but they go link. on sale in two days, I think, to everyone. So everybody can get them. Yeah. And Good Brazil events, uh, tap takeover on Jimmy's number 43 this on Thursday. This one's exciting. Wow. Uh, it's actually a Thursday tap, so it's come on over and try the new The Transporter. Jen Schwartman. Yeah, I saw that Jimmy was John Hall. This. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I participated. This was beer my beer camp, camp beer. So I, I get to try it for the first time at Jimmy's on Thursday. I mean, I'll have, I'll have kegs of it around in my circles, too, but... 
this will be my first and taste. And that's another story for you to tell another time. Yeah. Jen has so many stories. Come try the beer. We love you. Um, and then when you guys have Sierra Nevada coming to, to North Carolina, don't you? I'm, I'm sorry. Say that again. Sorry, man. We're going too much. Sierra Nevada coming to North Carolina. I'm, oh, absolutely. That, that was announcement was made a couple months ago, wow. and we could not be more excited. And we're still holding out for New Belgium. They're supposed to make their announcement soon. And we we're holding out for them, too. <laughs> we need them, well, too. Well, the next time you're on, when we're going to talk about that. And check out okay. uh, Opening Day Bash at Standings. These are all New York bars, Good Brazil bars. Uh, one day it might be in Chicago. It might be in North Carolina, too. Beercraft will have its second annual oyster and cask event on April 14th. Again, I'd like to thank our sponsors at GreatBrewers.com, who've helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Beer Sessions Radio is supported by the Good Beer Seal. You can find Beer Sessions Radio on our Facebook page as well. Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network, and you can Twitter us at Beer underscore Sessions. Thanks to Jen, Carolyn, Tim, and Wynn Bassett for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Jack Inslee, Brie O'Connor. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. I like to drink beer. This little song is more to the point. Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears. I like beer. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.